You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast for Wednesday, July the 13th of 2022. I am Lucas Smith. Along with me is Mr. J.D. Haffron. Happy Wednesday, three days in a row. The sage is working, J.D. That it is. Uh, what an entertaining ball game last night at Bush Stadium. We're going to talk a lot about it, and I think we're going to get things started here with a kind of confusion that happened with no longer Libertor starting and Hicks having to start instead. What went on here? We've got an explanation, don't we, buddy? That we do, but first I want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your com- make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. Locked on sports listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. The podcast exclusive that we'll tell you a little bit more about a little bit later in the show. The opener is something that the Tampa Bay Rays kind of made famous, at least in my opinion. You know, yeah. Using a bullpen arm for an inning, maybe two, but you know, we, we I've seen it, even the Brewers did it a couple years ago for a batter. You know, Colton Wong was the leadoff batter. They used a lefty to pitch against Wong, got him out, and then they brought somebody in. Like that, 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 that's the extreme, right, of the of the openers. Something that Mike Schilt's straight away from. Really, I don't remember Schilt using the opener very much. He was very much a traditionalist. Ali Marmol would be a little bit more open to it. The initial reaction, we'll talk about the results in a minute, but the initial reaction from you and I, not exactly a positive one. We had an explanation from Katie Wu, which I'll share in a little bit, but first off, just kind of weird and it's different and we as humans don't necessarily like change and this was a change in the in the in the regular way of doing things that happened yesterday yeah so we were all told that matthew liberator would be getting the start and we're all like okay you know get the rookie and he's got to face the dodgers we realize that's a tough matchup and then late in the afternoon we find out that he's not going to start anymore and jordan hicks will now be your starter and it threw us all off guard because we're like, wait a minute. Jordan has looked really good since he's coming back from the injury and has looked great in the bullpen. And he didn't look very good as a starter before that, before his yeah. injury. And so we're like, wait, why What? Who? What, why are we doing this? I, I'm so confused. And you and I were going back and forth t- trying to figure out why we would do this. And you were pretty spot on with why you think it happened. But uh, we got an explanation from Katie Wu from The Athletic who kind of broke it down a little easier for people like me who aren't the smartest people. I'm like, okay, hold on. Because this is almost verbatim what you were telling me anyway. Yeah, Katie Wu, who works, again, Cardinal beat writer for The Athletic, says this is a thread in a tweet that she explained. Openers are a rather new concept here in St. Louis. She's not wrong there. So here's an explanation as to why it was used via thread. Cardinals wanted Libby to avoid facing the three right-handed batters in the first four spots of LA's order. Betts, Turner, Smith. Because of the high probability they'd get a hit off of him. By turning towards Hicks or Fernandez, who would have been considered if he didn't pitch yesterday, you, one, match high velo from a right-handed pitcher against those hitters early, and two, prevent from seeing Libby three times. The Cardinals will prefer Libertor only see a lineup two times through, so using an opener or two, in which what the Cardinals did yesterday with Oviedo as well, helps Marmol strategize the best time to bring him in. And she added one more a little bit later on for what it's worth. The first time Libertor faced those aforementioned righties, Betts single, Turner home run, Smith single. So... The results against Libertor were negative in terms of against those guys. So that is a little bit of an explanation as to why they didn't want Libertor seeing those righties three times, only twice. Libertor wasn't as effective anyway, so maybe the opener did work. But that's the question that we're trying to ask on this to, on the show today is, 
was it the correct move? Was messing up with the motion of, of Hicks' development correct? Was messing with the Libertor's preparedness correct? I still struggle with, with why this move was. When I, I think it was a, a case of overthinking, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, we both kind of agreed on that. We were like, they're just. I feel like they were trying too hard, and we're overthinking the situation a little bit. And you know, I was throwing out things like, you know, Libertor is going to have to face these guys anyway later. What's what's the difference? And I got. I guess it saved them from getting into a hole early quicker than they wanted mm-hmm. to. But I was more concerned where using Hicks who I, who you're done with until the red series, I guess now, because he ended up throwing almost 40 pitches mm-hmm. and didn't even get out of the second inning. And then that's what I was worried about. I was like, yeah, if he ends up throwing nine in the first three innings and getting you three, sure. But it's the Dodgers. That's not normal. You're probably not going to do that. And Hicks had already struggled this season as a starting pitcher, so I, I didn't like switching up the mentality because if, you, if you've never done it before, uh, starting a game and just coming out of the bullpen where you have like two minutes to warm up and boom, you're in, it's a totally different mindset on how you're going to attack things. And I just I didn't agree with it. I, I hated it. I, I thought it was a terrible idea. I just would have rather started with Libby, let him do his thing, let him roll with it, and then bring in guys like Hicks, Oviedo in their normal situations, but it, they still won the game. So it's hard to say that they did something wrong, but mm-hmm. it just it felt wrong when I saw the lineup change. Yeah, and I, I think you touched on it a little bit, but what, what, what threw me for a loop is that we, 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 we've tried this already, right? Like we've seen Hicks yeah. as a starter and we've seen it for lack of a less harsh term. We've seen it fail. Like we, we, we've yeah. seen Hicks, and I think that I, I'm done with Hicks as a starter. I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. And it's not just because he's a bad pitcher. He's not. It's because that stuff plays in the bullpen incredibly well. We've seen it. This year, we've seen it, how good he can be mm-hmm. out of the bullpen. When you make the MLB Instagram page or Twitter page with the stuff you've got, striking out Marcelo Zuna, that's usually a pretty good sign that you're doing things right. And they, they mentioned you know, this is the fifth time that Hicks has faced the Dodgers. He has yet to get up and earn a run. The last time he did that, or one of the times he did that, I remember striking out the side, and one of the, one of the strikeouts was on three 102-mile-an-hour fastballs right down central. The stuff plays better in the bullpen. So from a conceptual standpoint, I understand what they were trying to do with Libertor. I understand the reasoning behind it. That doesn't mean I agree with the move necessarily. But like you said, yeah. they got a win out of it. Hicks put up a zero. Oviedo put up a zero. They weren't smooth, but they put up zeros. So it's hard to really argue with it. But you also have to look at it. Did they get lucky in a sense? You know, Did they escape trouble? But I still wouldn't have... If I, For me, and again... I'm not Marmol, but if it were me to doing this again, I would not make this call a second time. No, I, I didn't like it the first time. <laughs> I don't want to see it again, and I hope they don't get put in a spot where they feel like they have to do something drastic like this. Uh, I feel like at the end of the game, I don't know if you noticed this. So at the end of the game, we get the final out. Cardinals win. Woo! Everybody's like, oh, gosh, we really got away with that one because, you know, uh, the Dodgers made the comeback and all. And it, it, the camera pans in on Marmol and Maddox, and they just looked at each other, and they were just like this. <sighs> like, wow, we pulled a, a rabbit out of our hat on this one, yeah. didn't we? It wor- they're like, it almost was like, the, holy crap, it worked. Can you yeah. believe that we just got away with this? That's amazing. And I, 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 
I hope they don't have to do it again. I really, really hope it doesn't happen again. Hicks is clearly a much better pitcher out of the bullpen, and I, I don't want to screw with him. His, he's so good and can be so dominant. I hate moving him around. Like, it'd be different if you were moving somebody around who's just kind of, meh, you know, we don't know what he's doing. Like, Palante. You're still trying to figure out where he's best at, okay? I get that. You clearly know, the numbers don't lie, where Hicks is best at. Mm-hmm. Leave him leave him there. Figure Toy with somebody else. Stop messing with this guy who keeps having arm trouble and clearly isn't that great as a starting pitcher, at yeah. least at this point in his career. It just hasn't worked out that well. I tenfold agree. And also to look at, you know, I'll be interested to see, you know, if I'm at the Libertor in that situation, I'm not feeling a, a whole lot of trust. And I get that Betts, <laughs> Turner, Smith – are lethal, right? Like, yeah. I get that, that. That's not an average, you know, four out of your top five hitters in your lineup. It's the Dodgers, yeah. best in the NL, third best in Major League Baseball, seven game. Like, I get it. It's not like they did this. Like, if they, like if they did this against the Reds or the Pirates or the, the, I don't know, the Marlins or something like that, then it's like, whoa, you really don't trust Libertor, like, at all, right? Yeah. But I still think that, at least for me, that's in the back of my head. Like, oh, they yeah. don't trust Libby. You know, that. And again, he's still young, still developing. My grandpa texted me that it, last night. He said, "Well, that arose in a trade isn't working out very well." I was like, "Okay, I, I guess." But also, Libertadores first time in the major <laughs> league. So right now, I, I said, "Right now, yes," but we'll see how it goes long term. But anyways, so the lack of trust was kind of where my thought process went. And I'm, yeah. you know, obviously, they're very high on Libertor because he's in the major leagues at, at such a young age. He's such a highly yeah. tighter prospect. You see the stuff. Why it's so good. But at the major league level, pitching to a tune of you know a five three three ERA so far, gave up three earned and two and a third. Did not strike out a batter yesterday. Gave up four hits in his in his two and a third innings pitched. So you have to wonder, you know, what is the timeline? Like how how long do you go with, with, with this lack of or little trust in Matthew Leotard before you have to say, okay, let's think about what, what, what we want to do with him here. Um, and who knows? Maybe getting Yadi back or help. You know, maybe, you know, we assume that that's going to help most of the pitchers getting somebody like Molina mm-hmm. back. So uh, we have an update on Yachty, and we have a special reason that we're talking about Yachty that JD will share for you in just a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys today about the title sponsor, and that is BlueNile.com. Because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, you can find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity as well as the setting style. Very personable. Blue Nile's bench drillers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind, just like your special someone. And if you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, I'm right there with you. Don't worry. Well, Blue Nile has jewelry experts online 24-7, available via the phone or the chat to help you find a memorable gift at every single budget. You can make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners, that's you. Get a special of $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. That code is locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout. Plus, every order is insured, chips-free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. You can shop stress-free and find your forever peace by going to BlueNile.com today. So despite Andrew Kirchner finally finding some hits, which is bizarre <laughs> to think of it in its own right, Cardinals have some news about when Molina could be returning. 
This is true. All right. Well, first and foremost, we want to wish Yadier Molina a happy 40th birthday today. Well done, Yadi. You've made it to 40. You're officially an old man. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, we did get word yesterday that Molina and the club have devised a plan now to uh, get him back and playing with the team by August. Now, he's been out since the middle of June with knee inflammation. And it's also been said that it wasn't just physical, but also mentally Molina was really, really frustrated by his performance so far this season, hitting just 213. He's got an OPS of 519 before he hit the IL. Now, you had the lockout. He came uh, late to camp after a family matter. He had to attend to a family matter, and just he just never looked right mm-hmm. while hitting. Not, not not so much behind the plate. It wasn't so bad, but uh, hitting wise, he just he just looked off. You know, the bat looked slow, and it just nothing was clicking. And for me, I, I'm not so much worried about the offense of Yadier Molina at this point in his career. I that's just secondary. Whatever he can do at the plate is a bonus for me. Where the team needs him most is the the general, the captain on the field and behind the plate, calling games, reading hitters and base runners. The offense is secondary to what he brings defensively. And, you know, just having Yachty in the clubhouse is important for not only his buddies, Wayno and Albert, but but to teach the young guys to, to just kind of be around them. So it'll be really awesome to have him back. And it looks like uh, August 2nd is the date, you know, oddly enough, the trade deadline is uh, when they are targeting Yachty. Uh, could return to the majors. They don't know where he's going to go as far as, you know, playing a few games before uh, he gets back called up onto the active roster. But at least we know that he's on his way back because for a while here, no news. There was just right. nothing coming out of out of camp there about him. We are just like uh, – and so you and I were judging moves that they were doing with other catchers. Uh, mm-hmm. Austin Romine all of a sudden just popped up and ended up on the roster. You're like, uh, okay, so where's Yachty doing? So now we know at least they got a plan and they're ready to move forward. He'll be back with the team at the beginning of August is what they're shooting for. And uh, according to Derek Gold from the Post-Dispatch, that's plenty of time for him and Wayno to uh, set the record that they're trying to get this year. Well, that's good. I think that you know Yachty really hasn't performed this bad offensively since early in his career when Tony La Russa yeah. had to make comments like he could hit zero, zero and be my starting catcher because of defensively, right? Like yeah. Probably not true today under the different circumstances, but... It's good to see him back for a multitude of reasons, the ones you laid out. But also, just kind of the, the fan in, in, in us, you get to see Yadi and Wayno and Albert again, right? Yeah. You get to see him close out his career as a Cardinal, close out his, his fantastic Hall of Fame-worthy career. It it, 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 it warms the heart, you know? For, to get a little, little cheesy here on, on this Wednesday, it warms the heart a little bit to see Yadi and Molina back. And you could almost draw a direct correlation to the Cardinals' struggles on two things. Number one, when Tommy Edmonds started to struggle, the Cardinal offense hit a wall and they're hard to win games. And number two, Molina hurt. Molina leaving the team. Because it's not like he's been hurt in the clubhouse, joshing around, still being there, being able to be active. He went home to be with his family, which, you know, not trying to say he should have stayed with the team or anything, but he just wasn't there. So that, you know, to your point that you mentioned a little bit, hurt morale, hurt, hurt pitching, hurt catching, all these things. So it's good to have Molina back on a couple different fronts. Although Kistner heard this news, and all of a sudden he's got a couple hits, a couple RBIs. You know, no line drives, or a couple of them are blue pits, I will say that. But Kistner trying to say, hey, I can still play a little bit. But, you know, you can, you can make your arguments on whether or not Molina is a good catcher now and all these different things. But the intangible, the behind-the-scenes stuff that Molina brings to the clubhouse, I think was starting to wane on the team, and it'll be good to have Molina back, hopefully in just under a month. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think Kisner would argue with you. If you look at the box score, it looks like three line shots it's off true. the wall in the outfield, even though we know that did not happen. But <laughs> yeah, I, what, at least what's happening here um, with Yachty coming back and Kisner starting to pr- produce a little bit, uh, I'm not expecting this to continue, but it, it just giving us a little bit, um, that makes the need for going out and perhaps trading for a catcher not so important anymore if you because obviously the pitching staff has looked pretty good at least in this last week i mean both the starting and and the bullpen kisner's been fine back there romine's been fine back there um i i'm excited to see yachty back i don't know if you can see i may shift this around this one you got a yachty jersey back there yep look look I don't know how to do it. So everything's backwards to me. Yeah. Yaddy <laughs> and Wayno together again. Okay. This is what we're looking for. We want to see it. I mean, even when the team loses a game, and I know sometimes people were giving them grief for like, why are they all goofing off and they're losing games or whatever? Because it's a game and games are supposed to be fun. Okay. That's the point of the game of baseball. Okay. It's mm-hmm. a sport. It's supposed to be fun. And the guys are having fun and they keep everybody loose. And when you got a happy Wayno and a happy Albert and a happy Yachty, most of the other people around them are probably going to be feeling pretty good. Everybody's like, all right, all right. These guys could all three be going to the Hall of Fame or some of the best we've ever seen. All definitely Cardinals Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. We should feed off of what they're teaching us here and the energy they're giving us and the charisma that they have and them just enjoying the game like kids again. Because that's what it's about. Because when you're happy, you usually play better. And when you're all yes. tense and you're all upset and you're throwing you know bubble gum onto the field and stuff and getting in brought like that that isn't fun nobody want you know that's that's not an enjoyable experience and uh you're probably not winning ball games when things uh, of that nature are happening so i think he'll be welcomed with uh, open arms from everybody when he gets back at the beginning of august and uh i'm looking forward to it as much as you are yeah there's, there's no question and also you look at the record books you mentioned that melina wainwright and i'll have a chance to break that record or set more records or it feels it feels like whenever wainwright or maybe more so with Pujols and Molina, every time they do something, a record is set. You know, Molina caught a pop-up a month and a half ago, and he set a record for putouts. You know, like just little things like that. Yeah. Uh, but with the extra base hits, Wainwright Molina with the record that they're climbing for starts as a battery. And, you know, records will come and go. There's, you know, I understand there's a, you know, argument to that, but the legacy is there, right? And I think that yeah. this this second half of the season when Molina comes back, to, you know, to – you know, maybe a little bit of a, an interesting point. Molina could have a chance to kind of regain his legacy because the numbers you mentioned, you know, the 213, 19, whatever it was, the 500 OPS, those are, you know, I mentioned this with Albert a little bit too. Those are starting to hurt his legacy because, you know, people remember the first thing, people remember the last thing, right? You know, that's always how I was taught to, to talk, you know, when giving a talk, make sure your first point's good and your last point because that's people are going to remember. Open on your closer. Molina's opening, the defense, the incredible emotion, the awesome stuff, the, Molina, the home run in 2006, that was all great. Got all the middle stuff with the 2011 World Series ring, the offense of the early 2010s, all that stuff. But now people might remember, you know, people maybe that are 10 years younger than me, they see Yachty and they see some 40-year-old guy hitting these bad numbers and the legacy gets hurt, yeah. right? Well, now he yeah. has a come, chance to come back. And I'm not saying he has to or he will hit 330 and hit 14 home runs to the second. Like, no. But he has a chance to show that he can still swing it a little bit, still be productive, still not hurt his legacy by continuing the average to dip down into the 190s like Alberts was before he had gotten this little recent little hot string. So that's another point to this too, that Molina can kind of reset mentally because you mentioned he was frustrated at that aspect. Reset mentally, get back on, on things and help this team, whether he hits 10 home runs or he gets 10 extra outs or he 
navigates pitchers through 10 extra jams, probably a combination of all those things, Molina is going to be an asset to this team. Yeah, and if I was a betting guy, Lucas, I would bet that the team goes on a decent run when Yachty returns <laughs> at, the beginning of, at the beginning of August. And speaking of betting, betonline.net, that is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, obviously, including Major League Baseball, but also you got the NFL firing up here real, real soon. And, and you know that putting a wager down on games is an easy way to make the game even that more entertaining and that more enjoyable. Now, I, I, who do you root for when it comes to football, Lucas? I personally am a Packers fan. I, I when we, The Cardinals were in St. Louis. They move out west. They ditch the city. Everybody gets angry. I gravitated towards the Packers. And uh, then the Rams come to town. And I obviously rooted for the Rams while they were there. But state a Packers fan. Where, where did you fall into all of this being a 22-year-old man now? Being from Illinois, I... Bears, you know, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I know our, our closing days might be over, but I got to be honest with you. Bears are where I'm at right now. So it's a little <laughs> painful. So that's why I try and stick to my Cardinal following oh, a little on. bit more. Hold on, let me write a note. Don't talk to Lucas during football <laughs> season anymore. Okay. All right, but you got that all coming up. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting, wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And betonline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season because it is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. The Open at St. Andrews begins tomorrow, and you probably made some money last year if you bet on Kyle and Morikawa, who won the whole thing. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Dodgers were able to make a comeback yesterday, J.D., but the comeback was thwarted, at least a little bit, by the incredible pitching, and yes, this is a sentence I'm actually saying, of Packy Naughton. Before we talk about anything else, Hell about yeah. the, the games, let's talk about Packy Naughton. He comes in, Junior Fernandez gives up an unearned run because of the weird catcher's interference, gives up a couple hit, you know, a weird inning for Fernandez. Packy mm. Naughton comes in with the bases loaded, nobody out, and does not give up a run. Again, so let's, it's the seventh inning. Turner, catcher's interference. Freeman single. Smith single. Turner walks. Okay, Junior. We'll, we'll take you out. We'll be okay. Packy Naughton gets a fly out to Dylan Carlson in center field for Max Muncy. That, I don't know if Carlson actually was tripping and falling, but he fooled Freeman into not running, and Carlson has a cannon. Next, you have Alberto flying out to left fielder Corey Dickerson, who did stumble and did almost drop the baseball. He did not. <laughs> and then he strikes out Cody Bellinger. I was watching the game on TBS, but Danny Max called that strikeout looking at the highlights later. Chills. Just chills. You texted that it felt like a playoff moment in July. That inning right there. I know the Dodgers scored a little bit later, um, even after that inning. But that inning right there, that was the moment of the game. Incredible yeah. stuff by Packy Naughton. Hats off. I can't because my headset, but hats off. Round of applause. <laughs> Packy Naughton, arguably MVP of yesterday's game for that single inning. Yeah, what a situation to come into, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Face arguably the best team in the National League, maybe even in baseball, if the Yankees weren't doing what they're doing, and just shuts them down. No big deal. And uh, again, the emotion, the the energy, the charisma when he pops off the mound after striking out Bellinger, and you saw how mad Cody was. We're talking about a former league MVP over there striking out, and it was what a wonderful at bat. Like 
and I text you that this is why I love the game of baseball. It's mm-hmm. moments like this where the game is on the line, mano y mano, one on one, and it was Packy Naughton. Packy Naughton. You heard me. Coming out on top over Cody Bellinger and the Dodgers. Bases loaded. Nobody out. Walks away unscathed. It was a beautiful thing to watch, and uh, I'm happy for the guy. He's he's clearly found his spot on this team, and I'm thrilled to have him. Absolutely. I think when, when he first came up or first was acquired and started pitching, I think maybe just because of his name being Packy Naughton, people raised an eyebrow. I know I did, <laughs> all, you know, just being honest. But he has come in, you know, he made a couple starts for the team, didn't pitch terribly, didn't get rocked. But then out of the bullpen, he's been solid. Junior Fernandez probably owes him a beer or three or a steak or something for you yes. know keeping his earned runs at zero because the the run that he gave up was was unearned for Fernandez. So to me, that's where the, that's where the pitching starts. Is that Packy Norton was phenomenal yesterday? You also had Jordan Hicks put up a couple zeros, induced a double play. He did walk three, which is the problem we saw with him as a starter in the first run. He struggled with his command, which he did again. But beyond that, uh, Oviedo pitched okay, wasn't solid, but he got through the innings he needed to get through. Ryan Helsley, dominant, two strikeouts in a scoreless inning, uh, 13 pitches, nine strikes. We'll talk about Giovanni Gallegos a little bit here, J.D., just for a quick moment. Gives up another home run, strikes out two, but I think they mentioned three appearances in a row with a run given up by Gio. Tenth save yeah. of the year, but just not as reliable as he want, as he has been you know, earlier this year and last year. Yeah, he he makes me nervous every time he comes out. Uh, if he's uh, any one run game, I'm very nervous when Gallegos yeah. comes out of out of the bullpen. And it's weird because he like weasels his way out of things so often. Where I, you should trust him a little more than I do, I think. But I just I see him come out there and I'm like, oh man. And the last couple of outings, yeah, it hasn't been great. Uh, he gives up a run, another home run. Where I I don't know. The ball seems to be up in the zone a lot for him this yep. year. Uh, is what I'm noticing. Like even on some of these strikeouts, he's getting there, like at the tippity top of the strike zone. And usually the batters are mad at the, yeah. at the ump at when when they get called out on these because they're like, "Come on, man, that's a little bit up." But um, I don't know. Hopefully, he'll get things squared away. I'm not like freaking out over him, but I'm I'm certainly glad he's not coming in as the closer as mm-hmm. much anymore. Yeah, and I think Helsley has done everything he can do to get more high leverage situations, and he did in the eighth inning in a two run game. Um, so, but we'll, we'll see what goes quickly offensively. You saw Tommy Evans get two hits, which was exciting. Albert Gorman hitting home runs. You know the, the the past of the team and the future of the team. You know getting a couple home runs. So all in all, the offense got enough early and just enough late to get a seven six win. You saw the two errors as well. But tonight and tomorrow, that's where things get a little bit more dicey for this team. Offensively speaking, 6.45 tonight, 6.15 tomorrow. I think runs are going to be at a premium tonight, J.D., because we talked about it a little bit. You don't bet against Wainwright traditionally. You don't bet against him at home especially, and you don't bet against him when the Cardinals need innings. The Cardinals need innings tonight from Adam Wainwright. He's going up against Tony Gonsolin, who has yet to record a loss this year, as his ERA is a minuscule 1.62. He's an all-star. Could be a pitcher's duel tonight at Bush. Yeah, more than likely. Uh, once again, though, I- I'm not betting against Adam Wainwright. I'm not betting against the Sage, which is now 3-0. and I'm not <laughs> betting against the fact that Wainwright just found out that his best friend is going to be coming back in August, so he's going to be excited and pumped. But, yeah, it's going to be probably like a one to nothing 2-1 game tonight at Bush. Offense, uh, not going to be a lot of it, but uh, hopefully the boys come out on top. You also look at, you know, not only do the Cardinals need innings because of yesterday, 
But you also have to look ahead to tomorrow when Dakota Hudson gets the ball. Nothing against Dakota, but he has not been the most reliable this year. ERA ballooned up to four. Um, you know, when he when he goes deep, he goes seven strong and usually does pretty well, except for that one seven run, uh, seven run outburst when he went, still went seven innings. But you got to look at you're going to need innings tomorrow. Right and like you said, Hicks is probably down for the count for the entire series. Maybe you see Oviedo forced on Thursday. Not unlikely will be available. But tonight you're probably looking at Cabrera McFarland as being available. So if I'm Wainwright and he does this every time, but tonight is going to be even more at a premium to get yeah. innings to go seven to go eight. Shoot, maybe even go nine like he did against the Philadelphia Phillies. But it's a you know it's a we're not trying to dismiss the fact that everybody that. It is the Dodgers lineup. So this will not yeah. be an easy feat. But, you know, this is going to be a tough task for Winner and the rest of the Cardinals because Gonsolin has been phenomenal this season. No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, he's real good, man. So um, best of luck, Wayne Red. I don't know what else <laughs> to tell you. Maybe burn, burn some extra sage tonight. And uh, I, hope you can, I hope you can keep things easy for yourself and uh, keep the pitch count low and go as far as possible because I'm pretty sure that's what Ollie's telling him. is like, so you're good for nine tonight, right? right? Like, you're – fine with nine uh yeah with dakota hudson and his uh jekyll and hyde persona on the mound this year you can't guarantee that he's going to even give you five so um tonight expect big things from adam wainwright though we're 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 hoping that's what we get on the mound tonight this could be his last start before the all-star break as well like you know more than likely will not be so leave it all on the field as they say give me 120 give me 130 you'll have a week and a half off you'll be fine so uh, (laughs) how long where can go 40 year old adam wainwright he'll be 41 in a little bit so uh but nevertheless did not think that on this wednesday that we could be in a position for the cardinals to win the series but here we are after winning game one we'll talk about game two on tomorrow's episode as well as we'll we'll sneak in the the trade rumor just a little bit at the end of the show here uh running a little short on time but cardinals tagged to a little bit of Luis Castillo uh, as one of the many teams interested. Quick thoughts, J.D. Uh, yeah, you saw the big guys, the Yankees, Boston, uh, Mets, Dodgers, all in on Luis Castillo. That's normal. We're used to hearing mm-hmm. things like that on any star player. Uh, the Seattle Mariners and the Cardinals mentioned in that tweet by Jim Bowden. So um, I, I think that's crazy because I there's no way the Cardinals can outbid some of these teams. Uh, they just do things a little bit differently, you know, as far as the Cardinals dealing with a mid-market type of payroll. And then you got these guys who don't care at all how much money mm-hmm. they throw away and spend. So uh, seeing the Cardinals name on there, I guess they're kicking the tires on everybody. So it's, so if you want to mark it down now, Juan Soto and Luis Castillo will be St. Louis Cardinals <laughs> by August 2nd. You heard it here first. It's going to happen. Probably not, though. Be <laughs> I will say, if I had to pick one of those rumors to believe in, I'm believing the Nationals rumor just a little bit more because it's added yeah. division, might not give as much. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll stay locked on to all the trade rumors. See what I did there? Little plan words. We'll stay locked on to all the trade rumors on the Locked On Cardinals podcast. Talk about more tomorrow as well as talk about the starting pitching because we might have Steven Matz back as well by the end of the weekend. Uh, stay tuned to Locked On Cardinals. So from JD, I'm Lucas Gullis and Locked On MLB Prospects next. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.